All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a special uh, episode with CrossPolitik. Um, you know, uh, when when something important happens, we want to talk about it. We want to get to get the word out. And as you guys are aware of, uh, yesterday, a verdict was had in a trial, basically what I call the Nashville 11. Now, I don't think it was all all 11 people were um, got their verdict yesterday. I think it was six of them. Um, but a verdict was uh, had yesterday where it found six. I think it was six, Steve. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay, six um, Christians guilty of violating the federal FACE Act, F-A-C-E FACE Act, uh, by singing hymns uh, and in the, um, uh, you know, in the entrance of a uh, pro-abortion, a, a, a murder mill, um, an abortion center. And they were found guilty yesterday. So they're pending, I think, uh, sentence. Their sentence is pending for like a July 2nd or June Four, something like that. I can't remember. This summer, basically, is when they're going to receive their sentence. And so I have uh, lawyer Steve Thornton. Um, he act actually represented one of uh, the defendants. And, of course, we've had Paul Vaughn on the show before also to discuss. If you guys remember when we had Paul Vaughn on the show, um, uh, man, six months ago. I can't remember. Maybe it was this summer. Uh, when his house was surrounded by FBI agents with guns. And his children, and and they basically surrounded and swatted his house and surrounded him, and and had FBI agents carrying guns on his premise and knocking on his doors and creating quite the scene with his family. Uh, Paul was arrested, and his wife didn't really know where he went. He was gone for about six hours, or was out of contact for about six hours. Well, he was arrested because he was one of the six who were singing hymns and in this abortion uh, clinic, and apparently violating the FACE Act as, as they as the federal government has framed it. So uh, I've invited Steve Thornton on to talk kind of about the details, about the verdict of the trial, and about kind of next steps. And, and Steve, let's just kind of um, start over from day one. It, uh, talk about your client that you represented, uh, what they were arrested for, and then how you got involved in the trial, and then we'll get to the outcome of the trial here in a minute. My client is a medical doctor who has uh, stood with others outside a abortion clinic in Jackson, Mississippi for years before Doe came along and, and that clinic was shut down. And so I've known him, represented him as the city of Jackson would, you know, prosecute him for just, you know, boy, a noise ordinance, making too much noise by screaming on the sidewalk, they say. Of course, that's protected by the First Amendment and we, we dealt with those. But he traveled to Nashville to... Um, have a pro-life rally with friends and like-minded folks. Um, they went to a, a clinic in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, and there were folks out on the sidewalk. They were, you know, hoping to talk to expectant mothers as they came into the, in the building as a building office building open to the public, had some medical office in it, also had this abortion clinic in it. And, um, and some of these folks um, were by the elevator. My client was by the elevator, hoping to greet and meet people getting off the elevator. There are folks that were standing in the hall. There are folks singing and praying, and and um, you know they're armed with their Bibles. You know, very um, that, yeah. that kind of that kind of scene, right? Um, so that's what they're doing. And then um, that day, Paul Vaughn actually did nothing more than just walk between the um, police who came there, Mount Juliet police, to say, "Hey, you're you're trespassing because the, the owners of the business don't want you here," even though the owner of the building never did tell them to leave. But we'll set that aside a moment. So the police there said, okay, we'll give you a chance to leave. And most everybody said, we'll leave. 
There's a few that said, no, we want to stay, and they're arrested for trespass, and, and the city of Mount Juliet dropped those charges. And you think that's, you know, the case is over, right? No. Wow. The, Biden, the Biden administration, after uh, Doe versus Jackson Women's Health Clinic, had gone after uh, pro-lifers with a vengeance. And to give you some perspective, you know, violent protesters destroying buildings and burning property, they get a pass to the Biden administration, Department of Justice, and protesters yeah, yeah. who are vandalizing churches and pro-life centers, they get a pass them from the DOJ um, by the administration. But these peaceful hymn singers uh, at an abortion clinic trying to save babies from being murdered, they're prosecuted with, you know, charged with a felony conspiring to uh, violate federal law. And it's not just in Nashville, we have one in Michigan, one in uh, Washington, DC, and then this third one I'm familiar with in Nashville. So that's where we are as a, um, after Doe came along in October of 22, yeah, 22, the Biden administration, Department of Justice, uh, issued arrest warrants for, there was 11, that's why you call them the National 11. Six were charged with felonies. They were tried this past week. Um, four are char um, charged with misdemeanors. They'll be tried sometime in the near future. And then there's one young woman who was frightened enough to, to plead guilty and cooperate with the government. And, and that's just um, that's just an ugly situation, if you can imagine being betrayed by some of your your colleagues in the um, rescuing babies. But nevertheless, um, she testified against these folks. And um, that's where that's how we got where we are. And that's where we are um, we, in terms of the trial being held and then a jury verdict coming back. Well, you mentioned that they were also charged with conspiring to violate federal law. There is an old statute from the uh, Civil War era that uh, was aimed at Ku Klux Klaners to say, you know, if you conspire to violate someone's federal right by um, uh, uh, injure, injury, oppression, or intimidation, um, mm -hmm. that you violate the federal law, this federal law, and it's a felony and you can be um, penalized or sentenced to like 10 years in jail. Mm -hmm. And in this case, the government, you know, came up with this combination. So the idea is that the Free Access to Clinics Act creates a federal right to abortion services. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so if you conspire to violate someone's free access to clinic, then the federal government can charge you with a um, conspiracy and the violation of the FACE Act, and you have a misdemeanor charge and a felony charge. And that's what mm -hmm. these people faced. So, but this was after Roe v. Wade was already, so So let me, let's clarify some things here. The this protest, or what? What was it called? Uh, him sing, or what, what? What was it called? It was called multiple things, but rally was one, and, and rescue was one. Mm -hmm. So this this rally, this rescue, uh, happened years ago. How many years ago? It was in March of two thousand twenty-one. Okay, and then Roe v. Wade was overturned in June of, uh, June of, June of twenty-two. Okay, so wouldn't that render? whatever charges they threw at them, a moot point. Well, um, under Dobbs versus Jackson, uh, Jackson's Women's Health and Roe versus Wade and prior Supreme Court cases that held that whenever the Supreme Court makes this sort of substantive constitutional uh, ruling, it has to be applied retroactively. And we filed a motion to apply Dobbs retroactively and say, it, it's you can say it's moot. Um, they, they were then considered trying to stop abor um, abortions, which were illegal in Tennessee. Uh, but our federal judge in Tennessee um, would not did not grant that motion. She was a Clinton appointee, and she said um, no. Um, 
she wasn't, she wasn't going to um, believe our arguments, accept our arguments. Um, and so that's, we're prepared to take it up on appeal, but that has to wait until we get a judgment um, in this case against the defendants. Because how many um, responses, how many moot point rulings or whatever you call them legally happened during COVID saying, oh, the emergency health orders are now done. We don't need to take up this case anymore because they're, they're passed. But if the emergency health orders come back, we're willing to take up this case again. I, I know of at least two or three in my state alone where the judge ruled that way, where they said the emergency health orders are done. We don't need to take up this case. But if the emergency orders come back, then we'll pick it up and just moot point after moot point after, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, but they weren't protesting abortion. So what was the um, what was the individual charges? It sounds like there's at least two charges where there, and one was a misdemeanor. That's the FACE Act. And then the other one was conspiracy to commit a, a to violate a federal law. That's the second one. That's a that's a um, uh, 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 felony. Was there any others, any other charges thrown at them? Only those two against all six defendants. Okay. And then what did you, uh, what were they found guilty of now? So this is, this is on Wednesday now. So we had the trial this last week. What were they found guilty of? Both of those. I mean, that that's, that's a travesty itself, but this juror of 12 people from Tennessee, um, every one of them went along with, um, the, this, um, shenanigan you called it earlier wow um what do you mean went along were they basically coached by the judge on how to rule on this well that takes us into a lot of history since the founding of this country uh, john jay the first justice of the united states supreme court told the jury that they had the right and the power to decide the law he said it's a gentleman's agreement between the judge and the jury that the judge tells the jury what the law is and they decide the facts and they apply the facts to the law. But whenever their conscience says that the law is in the wrong, they have the power to say, we vote not guilty because this law is wrong. In that sense, the jury system of our country serves as like another branch of government to hold runaway yeah. wicked governments in check. Mm -hmm. And so if the jurors have a conviction, this takes you back to something you, you, you've talked about before. We have to obey God's law in every aspect of our humanity, from the way we talk to our wife, to our children, you know, even our thought process and our own words, right? And so if you're sitting on a jury and you know that God's law says that murder, babying is, babies is wrong, but your government's law says murdering babies is okay, what is your obligation um, as a human, really, but as a Christian especially, to do in those cases? And the United States legal system has recognized that is a juror's power, and the, none of these jurors exercised that power. Uh, they were told by the judge that this is something for the last, let's say, 100 years since the uh, Civil War. Judges have told jurors that they don't have the power to decide the law. They must follow the judge's instructions or they violate their oath. That is not consistent with either our form of government, biblical sound you know, um, knowledge and understanding, but that's what's been told by federal judges to jurors over and over, over again. We have some renewed interest, you know, since Rodney King in uh, the understanding that there's times. Now, we don't have any problems telling the Germans that those judges should not have sent those Jews to the uh, gas chambers, right? Even though right. the law, we don't have any problem telling them that. But applying right. it to ourselves whenever we have a rabid uh, abortion um, protecting president and administration and judges do the same. 
They don't tell the juries that they have a power to do that. And so this judge, following that pattern, this judge went, went way out of the way to make sure that nothing hinted at um, the juror having the power to say no, because even asking the jurors, can you follow my instructions even if you think the law is wrong? And the and, ju and jurors were put on the spot to say, oh, we'll follow your instructions even if we think the law is wrong. Uh, that is that is what I mean by the juror. None of, every one of the jurors went along with that and did not, I'd say, do their duty to um, strike down a, 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 I'll call it an application. You know, when you have a prosecution, you're taking a law and you're putting it in effect against somebody. Even if the law wasn't completely evil, but there's an evil application of it, the jury is faced with real facts. So they decide facts specifically as to you. The legislature might pass legislation that applies generally as best they can tell. But when it gets down to the real nuts and bolts and it's applied to you, the juror gets to decide, is this application of the law just or unjust? And in this case, those jurors all went along with what the judge and the system had set them up for. And we can go into lots of reasons why that, that is public school system, you know, education yeah. system, yeah. pastors preaching in the pulpit. There's a lot of places mm -hmm. we can go with that conversation, but that's what these jurors did. All 12 vote um, in favor of charging them with, the, with these two crimes? Yes. Uh, in federal court system, you have to have a unanimous uh, ver unanimous jury. All 12 has to vote. If one of them, if only one of them had voted, said, I will not, we'd have had a mistrial and we'd had to start over. But that would have been a statement that at least some member of the jury would say, no, will not do. But they didn't. And they were only out for a few hours deliberating. Wow. Was there was it an all-pro-choice jury? Well, it didn't look like that because um, one of the it didn't look like that. We had information about the jurors. Some of them said they were pro-life, and some of them said they were churchgoers. But if you can imagine, if you can imagine, unbelievable. Yeah, some some churchgoer goes to a a Russell Moore church, and you know they think that whatever the government says is absolutely right. Um, so they can be pro-life and um, churchgoers, and yet still not do the not do their duty in this regard. You're in the courtroom. Are you able to say to the judge, "Hey, judge, your instructions are wrong"? I am, and we did, but um, that doesn't mean she. I mean, she can say you're overruled, and she can even say, you know, if you say certain things in front of the jury, she'll hold you in contempt and uh, discipline you as an attorney and. Um, because we have the, she has a power of the federal army behind her. She has quite a, a bit of power to uh, manage what comes in, what doesn't come in, well, who says what. What are some of the things that she said were not allowed to be used in this case? Some of the arguments or some of the words. Well, we would have to get into specifics, you know, many of which I can't remember. But anytime we got close to something that she thought was jury nullification, right? Anytime we got close to something where one of our witnesses would say, I must follow God's law over man's law. It just said, no, we'll not talk about that. Even to the point we're saying we won't talk much about a, abortion beca uh, because this issue is not about abortion. This issue is about access to clinics, access to uh, reproductive health services. And whenever so she got to, she got to the define the terms of engagement. <laughs> well, and the statute, the statute, the FACE Act defines reproductive health services as including abortion, even though now after Dobbs. In Tennessee, it's a crime. So reproductive health services can include uh, abortion in Tennessee, but she gave the jury instructions that reproductive uh, health services can include abortion. 
And it's a confusing thing, but that's what's happening. And, and but she already threw out the retroactive appeal that Dobbs overturned Roe v. Wade. Well, we filed that as a motion to dismiss the indictment early. So by the time we yeah. got to the trial, she'd already ruled and says, no, we're not going to apply Dobbs retroactively. Yeah. How many, explain the logistics a little bit for me. I'm kind of a, a layman in all this, but you're one of, there's six people that were on trial. You're one of the lawyers out of what, six lawyers or something? How does that work in a trial like this? Um, there are two, two defendants. Um, uh, Cal Zastro was one of the defendants and my client, Cohen Boyd, each of them, those two defendants had two lawyers. All the other defendants had one lawyer in the courtroom. And um, we, we, um, when you give opening statements, each defendant gets to make an opening statement. So one of the two lawyers would make an opening statement. When we, um, um, the government puts a witness up and asks the government a witness questions, the government had three lawyers there. And so they would, you know, take turns, uh, it'd, it'd divvy up the assignments. And the same way with uh, the defense lawyers, where we had two lawyers, like in my case, I, I um, asked some witnesses question and my co-counsel asked other witnesses questions. And the same when you get to closing, one lawyer for each defendant will do a closing argument. What, um, what was some of the most egregious things that happened in the courtroom? Whether you're questioning and some uh, uh, interesting information comes out or they're questioning one of the witness, one of the defendants and the judge is, is obviously being biased or, you know, what's some of the uh, egregious moments that happened in the courtroom? This, this trial, the facts were pretty straightforward. Um, there was three, well, there was one abortion clinic worker who did some video recording with her phone that was brought in. My client did some video recording with his phone that came in. Uh, two other of the defendants did video recordings with their phone. Their videos came in. So the evidence of what happened that day was by and large shown on video. Uh, so there wasn't much egregious in the courtroom. The jury was looking at the video and being asked questions about, you know, these people. Uh, the, the judge had tightly restricted us talking about the First Amendment rights of the our, our clients. You know, it's not about free speech. Well, it really was about free speech. So we were really limited. So that was that was a, a very bad ruling. Um, again, I said we'll appeal that, but uh, nothing just outrageously egregious. The, the judge, I have to compliment on her on letting the defendants in the once she narrowed the range down to where you you know you couldn't talk to the jury about God's law being superior. Um, she was pretty reasonable in letting the defendants uh, put on evidence, cross-examine witnesses, listening to our position on jury instructions. You know that I can't fault this judge for. And, and the jury, of course, they sat and listened. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, what's what's next? I mean, obviously, some appeals here. When you appeal, what you know, what happens? Yeah, well, there'll be a sentencing in July, and then there will be a time for appeal, and we'll appeal, and we'll take it up to these the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals. You've probably heard talk about that. There are eleven in the United States, and no, well, um, above the trial courts, we have a federal trial court system. They're called district courts. Above that are courts of appeal. They're uh, divided into circuits. Uh, Nashville is in the Sixth Circuit. We'll go up to an appeal to the Sixth Circuit, and if we uh, if the Sixth Circuit doesn't um, agree with our positions, there are lots of reasons why we this case would be a good case to go up to the Supreme Court and and um, apply Dobbs retroactively, like it should be, and to deal with the Face Act. Now that now that abortion is can be criminalized in uh, states, 
FACE Act, FACE Act becomes a, a really strange law. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, by then, if uh, if we uh, if our advocacy prevails, we can have the FACE Act uh, repealed, yeah. which it should be repealed. Yeah. Will some of these people go to jail until everything's fully repealed? That will be in large part up to the judge. Uh, we'll, you know, she will she will decide what their sentence will be. There's these factors she considers. Um, they're aggravating factors. They're mitigating factors. She'll decide if if they get ten years or one year or no years and only you know probation or supervised release or whatever. Um, and then there'll be a a decision by her whether or not she will stay that pending the appeal. Uh -huh. If she doesn't uh -huh. stay, then I mean, it's possible if they got, let's just say it takes three years for an appeal to work through an appeal to the Sixth Circuit to work through a system. If, if, a, if a defendant got three years of jail time, they would serve their jail time before the appeal. And let's suppose it got to the Sixth Circuit and it was reversed. Talk yeah. about a, a robbery of your rights. You have served three years of jail. Your, your, your verdict is overturned. Your guilty verdict is overturned. And, um, and you serve jail anyway. And there's no remedy like, so what? Now, there's one... Oh. There's one possible. Um, there's one possible. Let's say, not saving, but it's a benefit. Uh, if there's a certain man got elected president and um, um, pardoned these defendants for this egregious miscarriage of justice, then, yeah. then we may we may um, get some relief sooner rather than later. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, how I'll many cases? Go ahead. I say that only because I, I'm inclined to believe that that certain guy would be very much inclined to pardon people who are uh, politically persecuted using the uh, justice system. Yeah, yeah, right, 100%. How many of these cases um, are going on? So basically what happened was, is the city of Juliet, you correct me where I'm wrong here, um, they never charged these people, and whatever charges they did, they dropped the charges. Um, and then year or two later the federal government you know roe v wade ends and the federal government biden administration's like i'm going to make an example out of the pro-lifers who are in his mind ruining roe v wade no need to correct you that's good so that so that's that's what happens that's that's what's happening is what you're saying yes that's how many happening. how many people are going to trial under these under these circumstances that you, you know, know well, I know there is there has been a trial in um, Washington D.C., and we had a jury in Washington D.C., which the demographics I wouldn't put as much hope in a, a jury from Washington. Maybe I shouldn't, but I would put more hope in, in a jury from Tennessee. But it didn't it didn't pan out. But I know there's a a case in Washington D.C. where there's a um, a um, seventy year old grandmother now, and she was sentenced to, I think six months in jail, and so she is sitting in jail. That's right, and she's been put in solitary confinement. She has been, you know, her rights are being abused, but she's sitting in jail because she stood in the hallway of an abortion clinic in Washington, D.C. and hoped to talk to young women coming to her to get an abortion. That's the quality of the justice coming out of the Biden administration. Uh, so I know there's that one in Washington. I know there's one in Nashville. I know there's one in Michigan. How many are in Michigan? I don't know the number. How, how do you, um, how do you, disbar or get rid of these judges or what legal remedies do you have for the obvious kind of, I don't know, racketeering or, or I mean, I don't even know the legal word, but the obvious um, intentional persecution using legal plays against conservative Christians. 
Well, we have built into our system all these sorts of checks and balances. Let's start with the prosecutor. The prosecutors have an obligation to say no. If you were, especially a Christian, every, every prosecutor, especially a Christian, if some government official says, please prosecute this case, some police officer, some federal official, Homeland Security says, prosecute this case, um, uh, a prosecutor can say, no, I'm not going to do that. And they have discretion to say, no, I'm going to do that. And they do that because they said, you know, I know what God's law is and I know what that is, and that's, that's evil. I'm not going to do it. That's the first check and balance. Then you have a check and balance of the judges. You know, the, this judge could have dismissed these charges uh, way back. Uh, a, a judge who says, I'm not going to be, am I going to permit that, you know, in my, in, in my courtroom? You know, I'm an Article Three judge. Uh, once I'm installed, I'm in there for life. I'm not going to do that. There's so many ways those judges can protect your rights as, an, as, a, as a Christian American uh, from this sort of thing. So there's another check and balance. The jury, we talked about that a moment ago. The jury is a check and balance. Jury check and balance. Um, now, well, let me go one more. The um, the real culprit, one of the real culprits, is your congressmen and your state legislatures. There are thousands of laws that that steal your rights every day. Okay, and whenever these, whenever the prosecutors or the judge or the jury are dealing with a law. One of the places we should look first is to the Congress and to the state legislatures who are passing these laws. So, you know, Christians should know, you know, the positions of these candidates to know whether or not they are going to respect God's law in terms of what they vote on. And we can go through lots of um, lots of these rights abusing laws that we live under that should be repealed. So they're the culprits. Then we can talk about the pastors who are not teaching their congregations how to deal with them, how to deal with them. I deal with um, Romans 13, sword bear, how they deal with that. Uh, then in terms of a political process and judicial process, uh, the impeachment process is really the vehicle for judges. Uh, but my goodness, you have a long way to go before you know, people understand how judges abuse their positions. Uh, and then you've got the electoral process. If I, you know The prosecutors at the federal level are under the executive branch of government. So the president has so much control over that. Uh, and you might remember, I think, when Trump was first elected, how uh, there was a group of um, U.S. attorneys that were, I think, asked to resign, and they were making all this noise as if they were mistreated by the the, the commander in chief of the armed forces, who has the you know had the executive branch, who has the power to ask for the resignation. Yeah, but right. but um, so there are various processes you can employ. But impeachment is one, election process is one. Uh, knowing the candidates, um, probably the most important, and you won't need to hear this, but probably the most important. Is for you know you, me, and your listeners to read the Bible and know what God says. Mm-hmm. About it. And I, I refer to somebody that um, I respect a good bit. His name is Joe Boot. You know him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was talked. Mm-hmm. He was talked about the Old Testament uh, laws being a paradigmatic example that will teach us how our laws should look. Yeah. So there's, that's there's very long, good. Long answer to your question. No, that's very good. Uh, could the governor, um, like the president, can? Um, Pardon? Can the governor pardon? The governor can pardon uh, uh, for state offenses, but this one is a federal. Can the governor tell the feds to get out of your state? You aren't trying my people on on these facetious bound grounds or whatever. I tried that once before in the eighteen sixties. <laughs> yeah, well, that's about where we're heading. And then we very well might could be. But you know, it depends on the quality of your governor. Yes, yeah. quality of your governor. But yes, individuals need to know where and when to stand, and and that's why they need the 
the podcast like yours, the guidance of their uh, good quality pastors. How um, how are your how's your defendant doing? You know, how's he thinking about this whole situation? Um, it's got to be pretty weird. Well, you know, if you think emotionally, like I'm going to be rescued by the jury, then you'd be really devastated. But my client has said, this is in God's hands. And I know, you know, like Joseph was thrown in prison unjustly. And he, he, did, he, he rejoiced in that time and God blessed him. And look how God used him. Daniel was taken away from Jerusalem unjustly. And, um, you know, he served, a time, he served his time in Babylon. And, you know, you, we know his story. The three Hebrew children. So my my client has said, I'm rejoicing, trusting that whatever God, that whatever God does, it'll be to his glory. Yeah, he may, have, I, I, Mr. Dr. Boyd may have to suffer some pain, but God is in control and glory to God. And that's how he left the courtroom. And and my co-counsel was a bit, it was not quite as steeped in this as I am, was a bit surprised at our client's reaction. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Where, where can people like, you know, follow up, um, pay attention? How can they follow you what, or follow this case or follow the, the, um, uh, you said it's July 2nd is where the next hearing is? Summer July 2nd and summer July 3rd. It's a sentencing okay. hearing. To be precise, okay. it's called a sentencing hearing. It's July 2nd and summer Thank July 3rd. And, and I, I, don't really, I don't really have a way, you know, I'm not in this world that uh, you're in, but they can listen to you, of course. They can yeah. uh, look at some news outlets um, who are that we can have some confidence. We need to remind our um, owners of these news outlets to not follow the paths pass of CBS and NBC. Uh, you know, if they're if they're successful, uh, don't lose sight of what got them there and what their their ultimate Amen. judge is going to be. So be, be faithful in reporting um, accurately, honestly. And yes, we do see uh, the world through the perspective as a Christian. And uh, you know, who else is more objective? I argue, but that's another yeah. that's another argument. Amen. But um, yeah, just just watch the news. Um, and, and find a new source that's reliable. Steve, thanks so much for coming on Cross Politics. Appreciate your work that you're you're doing there. You work with uh, our good friend Davis Young. So y'all are part of the same law firm. Is that correct? Well, I'm not part of his law firm. I'm like a consultant to his law firm. Okay. Okay. Well, somebody, somebody, close, somebody, somebody close to me does work close, work with him, and so we yeah, like you're, Davis. You're 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 uh, your son, son, right? Son-in-law. Yeah, son-in-law. Son-in-law. Yeah, we, we okay. like. I like Davis a lot, and I'm at his. I told him I'm at at his uh, service. Okay, very good. Well, thanks for all your work on that. We'll be praying for uh, July, and and then the appeals process that's obviously coming. Thanks for having me. All right, everyone, make sure you follow the story. Be praying for uh, what's happening in July. Be paying attention to these these cases. There's more happening, like uh, Steve already mentioned in Michigan and uh, uh, DC. And so be praying for these cases, and especially as you're able, help fund these Christians fighting this this uh, wickedness. I mean, the Biden administration really does want more power. And and they are, you've seen this at the border, where they're kind of creating chaos to get more power. And this administration is doing very wicked things in the courts against our people and against Christians, particularly in this whole FACE Act um, charade. So um, thank you for tuning in. Make sure you share the show. Make sure you put pressure on your legislators. There's some there's some action that Steve kind of laid out for you, and and make sure you can take action. So um, thank you for joining and tuning in to Cross Politic, and uh, we'll see you guys uh, in 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 the real studio in the show later. Lord bless. <laughs>